With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Fourth washout in a week today at the Cricket World Cup. Depressingly, we might have a few more to come in the next week. On that cheery note, hello and welcome to the Wisdom <laughs> Cricket Daily Podcast, brought to you by Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. We're live at the Beer 91 World Cup Lounge at the Royal Garden Hotel. I'm Yazrana, and today I'm delighted to be joined by the editor-in-chief of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, Phil Walker. All right, Phil, how's the mag going? Yeah, went to bed yesterday evening, so I'm kind of demob happy at the moment. Oh, fantastic. And for the first time, we're joined by the fastest bowler in the land, Tamar Mills. Welcome to the show. Really good to have you on. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Um, let's get straight into it. I'm not going to ask you your moment of the day because there's no cricket again today. Wash out between New Zealand and India. Um, what's your moment of the week? Moment of the week. I reckon um, that catch that Fakir Zaman dropped uh, against Australia. It wasn't the drop itself, but, but the reaction of the, the man behind him in the crowd, hands on hips, double teapot. Was really, really not impressed with his fielder there. So, that that um, typified Pakistan in the field as oh, well, didn't it? It was brilliant. That was my moment of the week for sure. We're early into the competition, but I think that result yesterday was massive um, in the, I think the top four are pulling away now, particularly when you look at the fixtures coming up for Australia and England in particular. Um, Pakistan have three points in four games, so for them to qualify now, they probably need to win four out of five. Um, I think tomorrow's game is absolutely massive for the tournament. England win that, and there will already be a two-point gap between India, who will have a game in hand, and the realistic contender Sri Lanka still have four points, by the way, because of the washed-out games. England's next two games are Afghanistan, Sri Lanka. Australia's next game is Sri Lanka. Um, we kind of need a Windies win or rain to spoil a few more games to keep it interesting at the top. Indeed, and we needed Pakistan to win yesterday, really, um, or rather on, on Wednesday, whenever you listen to this show. Uh, yeah, Australia just just did what Australia do. They held their nerve at the end. Pakistan will be kicking themselves because they were in that game for a number, a number of points, especially when they were batting. Um, yeah, you, you want to see a humdinger against England West Indies. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the West Indies actually edge that one. And if they do, then it just about keeps the tournament open. Um, from a neutral perspective, and I, I don't sit here as a neutral, obviously, but for, for the tournaments uh, down the line potential, you want to see the West Indies really turn England over on Friday. Um, but more than anything, you just want to see a game. You want to see a completed game. I mean, this tournament was, was you know bubbling along quite nicely. And then... Uh, the English weather did its business. Um, you've seen some comparisons with last June and this June as well. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, two millimetres in a month last year. 
Uh, one of the driest dunes in history. But this is cricket. This is we have to expect this. Cricket is a is a cheeky, issued a disobedient game. Defending the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> How do you see the the, the shakedown for the last four at the minute tomorrow? Yeah, I think it, it does look you know a little bit to script so far, doesn't it? I, you know. I, I hope there are some upsets. You know, see, I'm also sat here as an England fan, but I hope there are some upsets. I mean, it's good for sport, not just cricket, football. Anything when, when there's you know an underdog story, if there's you know a minnow beats a big side, no matter what the sport is, no matter what, what the competition, it's it's good to see, isn't it? Team people will get behind an underdog. So you know, you want to see Afghanistan get a win at this World Cup and not necessarily win against Sri Lanka or any of the other nations at the bottom. If Afghanistan can can generally beat a top team. How big will that be for Afghanistan cricket for the next 5, 10, 15 years, not just the World Cup that we're in at the moment? Yeah, bang on. I mean, they just need one good day out, don't they, Afghanistan? You know, before the tournament, we were thinking, oh, maybe they could nick a couple here. I think we've, we've moderated our expectations for Afghanistan. But if they could put it all together just one afternoon, then that will be one of the most memorable parts of this World Cup. Yeah, what, what Afghanistan need, though, is some dry weather. So they get some dry pitches to play on for yeah. their spinners. Because their strength is their spinners. You know their batting looks shaky. Their fast bowling looks, you know, pretty average. They they need to be able to bat sec, have you know, score some runs, bat second, and get teams out by spin. Yeah. Before that, they need some pitches that are actually going to spin. So. Well, they're playing England on a used pitch on uh, Tuesday, so it will just be a lush outfield yeah, though at sure, best, sure. won't it? You know, even if and they that's do get Old on the Trafford, park. isn't it? Yeah. So it'll be wet because it's up north, isn't it? So <laughs> that's, uh, that's, the that's forecast. We don't have any listeners <laughs> in the northwest. It's fine. The forecast for the next week, particularly Manchester, is dreadful. Like Manchester and Cardiff, where there's still games to be played, it's. What's bad. the forecast for Sunday for the uh, big one? Not great. Is it not? It's honestly not great. Oh, I man. I'm on the rattler at looking, half seven in the morning. We're looking at uh, one of the Saturday games. The one at the Oval looks like we'll get a game in. But at the moment, it's genuinely not looking very good for the weekend, uh, which is depressing. Tomorrow, are you a football fan? Yep. Norwich City, um, Champions League. Ah, congratulations. Liverpool uh, away, first game of the yeah, season. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Tasty. Friday night, easy three points, start the season off well. <laughs> so we like our football analogies on this show. Um, and looking at the group table... We're all frustrated football journalists, aren't we? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. That's what, why we're we here. Um, looking at the, uh, the, the format of the World Cup, I, just, I see it kind of like a Champions League group stage where you have six games... And some of the groups can be really good, right? Really exciting going into the last game. We get a lot of dud groups. And this format, I think, was taking a massive punt to, uh, to ensure excitement towards the end of the group stage. Um, and I, I don't think that we should be that surprised that it's four or five this games. It's, it's not great. This is the most downbeat show we've done of the World I know, Cup so I know. far. We're so, we're so excited. <laughs> three, three days of chucking it down. Yeah, <coughs> yeah I hear what you're saying, but I, I also think we're only only three and a half rounds of games in yet, and I think teams got to play nine games before this is all settled. I think cricket being cricket, there will be some 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 twists and turns yet. Yeah. Uh, the rain screwed over the teams that really didn't want rain. So if in England or India had games rained off, I don't think that would matter that, that much. But the fact that West Indies, who were looking good against Africa before the rain come, came down, yeah. Pakistan not getting a game in against Sri Lanka, where you think they'd get two points there, that's really hurt teams that really needed those two points. Yeah, indeed. Um, who did you fancy before the tournament, Tamal? I fancied England, as everybody did. Good man. I, kind of had, I had the top three, as, as most people. Then my, my shout was New Zealand for the, for the fourth spot. Right. They're obviously so Australia being your third team. Yeah, sorry. And yeah. then they're obviously... New Zealand have started well, three from three. I spoke to Colin Monroe before the tournament. But yep. they've, they've played the three easiest teams so yeah. far. And India now. They've got a point against India. Which That's true. Yeah. So you take that. So you now they're, you know, they haven't lost out of four. So they've still got to play kind of more difficult teams going, you know, into the rest of the comp. But they've, you know, they've, they've they've given themselves obviously the best start that they could. They probably need another four points to actually qualify for the semi-finals. Are there are there any 
fallibilities with this England team that you might have detected first three games? Uh, I'm not, not too, not really. I think they've been pretty it's, impressive. It's hard, they? it's hard to find holes in it. They lost a, you know, obviously a very close game with Pakistan, and you know, if they would have won, they came close to getting the highest chase ever in the in the World Cup. So I don't think you could be pretty, you know, too down on them about that. That'd be pretty unfair. Obviously, they had a bad day in the field, but it, it can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but over the course of nine games, I think this England team will be, you know, far too good for for the opposition. More of it. A serious point about um, how England and the World Cup in general has prepared for potential rain. So I saw an article written in Kukinfo by uh, Andrew Fidel Fernando saying that Sri Lanka has way more rain than England. What we've had in the last few weeks isn't by any means monsoon weather. Uh, we've had days where it's been wet in the morning. And the problem basically is we've got a wet outfield that doesn't dry. Yep. Sri Lanka, when it rains loads, they, they cover the entire cover the outfield. The tarpaulin, yeah. And it might be a stretch to do that for every England international. But for a World Cup in a country that it, where it does rain, could that have been something that the organisers foresaw? You'd have to train a lot more ground. Have you seen the amount of ground staff that, yeah. that are on duty at the Prima Dasa or yeah. Pelakeli? I've played in Sri Lanka and when it rains, it's like a whole city of people yeah. kind of appear from nowhere and start <laughs> draping the tarpaulin across the ground. But you are right. It's a big operation. It's, it's not something I don't think you can switch on. That, that actually takes some preparation to... To obviously, to find the people at each ground that, that can do it, and then teach, you know, it's, it's not as simple as dragging a tarpaulin on and off. There is actually a, a, a method to it, isn't there? So and I'm not, I'm not sure time. how much difference it would have made in real terms. I mean, you might have seen a tiny bit more cricket, but the, the, the way that it's played the last few days, it rains and then it stops for half an hour and then it just starts drizzling again. It's, it's light drizzle, and yeah, it's a kind of rain where because it's been raining for a few days, you can't start on it. The outfield's wet, and then on, on the day itself you basically can never get on because it's just light drizzle. And when it does stop, yeah, there's no sun or with, wind. With the rules, <laughs> you, once you come off for, for rain, you can't start again until it stops. Which it's, is infuriating. Yeah, so it's one of those that you'll play in a certain level of rain and yeah. then it'll get slightly heavier. But then, the you, but then you can't go back on at that same level of rain that you were playing on in the first place. So it doesn't really make that much sense. My, my friend Jeff is a big listener to the show and he sent me his top five weathermen and top five clouds on WhatsApp today just if we needed any content. Sorry, what? Yeah, top five weathermen and top five clouds. Um, like so just just if we're struggling later on in the show, let me know and I'll get my phone. Well, we've had ten minutes on rain. T- ten minutes already. on rain already. Sh- um, sh- should we move it along? Yeah, we are actually. <laughs> so um, normally we talk about the World Cup for the entirety of the podcast, but because it's been raining, let's, let's move on. Um, County Championship, which we normally leave to the end of the now show. Now we're talking. Somerset have gone 26 points clear at the top of the County Championship Division 1 table. Um, that's a pretty healthy lead after six games, especially considering second base Hampshire are without two of their key players in James Vince and Liam Dawson for mm-hmm. the next few uh, matches. Um, Tomorrow, I wanted to ask you about one of Somerset's star players at the moment, uh, Lewis Gregory. He's tearing things up at the moment uh, with the kind of numbers that get people who've never seen him play before advocating his England call-up. 35 wickets, 11, which is pretty good. Um, Pretty you, good. Yeah, you you, you <laughs> played with him. He's, he was your under nineteen captain for England, right? Yeah, he was. He was captain of my England under nineteen side many moons ago. I think if you look at that team sheet, uh, over half of them aren't even in the game anymore. We had a, we had a, yeah, we had a pretty weak side. Looking kind of looking back on our side, but it's um, funny how it works like that. Yeah, isn't it's it? really strange. It's kind of only myself and Ben Folks are the only two that have played for England out of a squad of sixteen. Lewis Gregory could be, you know, the next in line. But yeah, over half of them are, are out of cricket, unfortunately. But yeah, Lewis is, you know, he's a genuine all-rounder. Obviously, has leadership qualities as well. He's captain of Somerset in the T20s. So he was captain of my England under-19 side when we got thumped by in, by Sri Lanka in all three formats. Um, but yeah, he's, he's 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 having an amazing year, isn't he? Bat ball. He's he's, he's 
it's the type of you know as you say people that wouldn't have necessarily heard about him or or known about him have to notice those numbers and you start talking about yeah. Lewis Gregory now don't you um like us, re- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting hearing you uh, talk about players who are in the England 19 set up and then being out of the game quite soon after. How do you reckon that, how does that happen? If yeah, because when you're an England under 19s player, you often haven't played much, if at all, first class cricket. You're, you've, you'd have been identified and you've been put into the pathways, you know, on potential and, and attributes and things like that. And then but you're not, you haven't actually been tested at the, at the top level. I remember. On that particular tour, I hadn't played a professional game yet. I might have played one. Um, most of the guys hadn't played much. I think Adam Rossington might have played a couple at Middlesex. There, were, there weren't many guys that were playing first-class cricket at the time. So then, obviously, you play in England under-19s, and then you, you hopefully get a contract. Professionally. Well, I didn't have a professional contract when I played for England under-19s. Really? Yeah. So, I, so how, were you, how were you picked? <laughs> because I could bowl fast. Pace. Pace. <laughs> Raw pace. That was a really stupid <laughs> question. Without... Obviously, naming names. Were, were there a few lads who were on a jolly, or were, was everybody focused on becoming a professional cricketer? Oh yeah, well, most of the lads weren't old enough to be on a jolly, and, and we went to Sri Lanka that's where it's, it's, it's a, before. that's very true. But um, no, it was it was very serious. I think it might the, the, it might be a little bit more relaxed now. I understand from kind of before my time and into my time, it was very kind of schoolboy. So on, on my tour, for example, there was only there was only myself, Lewis, Adam Ball, and Adam Rossington, and Atik Javid. Yeah, for Leicester. We were the only guys that were 18, I think, on that tour. So we were, if we wanted to be on a jolly, we were the only guys that you know could legally go out and do it. Mm-hmm. We had we had a young year because they were getting ready for the World Cup mm-hmm. the the next year. So um, yeah, so most of the guys are sort of school. We we weren't. We, so we were kind of just chilling whilst the other boys had to do homework. Like there's, there's a lot yeah. more things that actually go into England under 19s. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're just not tested in terms of professional cricket. What was uh, folks like that age? He was your Essex teammate as well. Yeah, at the time. yeah. so I know folks you really well. We came through the kind of the Essex Academy and then England 19s played Lions together and stuff. So know him really well. Um, he was still, yeah, he was an excellent keeper then. Like clearly, you know, natural keeper. Um, he, he was obviously better than than everybody else at keeping wicket, and he's you know obviously gone on to to just keep going, you know, upwards and upwards. I think he was a bit unlucky in the in the winter. Yeah, leading run scorer in a Test series, wasn't he in Sri Lanka? Hundred on debut. Normally, that's a preca- precursor for continuing your England career for quite a while, isn't it? And unfortunately, you know, he's obviously up against Besto and Butler, and and what Johnny wants, Johnny gets. Exactly, but um, it's it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough scenario. But I've spoken to him. You know, he's not obviously he's disappointed, but he's you know he, he's phlegmatic bloke, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, he's he's done what he could do. He had a great time, and you know, I'm sure he'll get other opportunities as as the years go on. And if I think he's at peace and understands that he just happens to be in the same era as two other world-class keeper batters. He's, re- he's remarkably self-aware, I feel. So after he did really well in his ODI debut, uh, he was like, oh yeah, I probably won't play again for ages because I've got <laughs> Johnny, Sam and Joss. Yeah. When, you, when you're that handsome, you don't have to worry about yeah, anything. Well, we've been talking on this show about the best-looking cricketers. Um, ben Folks has got to be There's up There's been there, a lot so. of rain around. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Um, well, moving on. Yeah, moving um, swiftly on. So another another player at the moment who's been talked about a lot who people might not have seen that much that you have quite interesting insight on is Phil Salt at Sussex he won his first England call up in the season um, you've played with and against some of the best T20 players in the world um, how would you describe Salt to people who have never seen him play Phil Salt is a character <laughs> on and off the field if you ever watch any of his innings that if you can kind of manifest that batting innings into a person and a and a, and a man that's salty. He's he's out of the box. He's unorthodox. He's a bit of a maverick. 
but um, yeah, he's a very talented boy. Um, yeah, I don't know how many. If you saw some of the innings that he played um, for Sussex, it's, what's a shame is every time we play on Sky on TV, he never scores a run. But if he generally, if he'd have some of the innings that we've played against in the Blast that aren't televised, if he'd have played some of those on TV, he'd have been. You know, everybody would know about him and, and the type of shots he played. This is interesting. So uh, we had Ben Dockett on the pod a while back, and he said something very similar about television. About he was like at North Ants, I know I'm on TV once a year. I've got to perform. How aware are you guys playing in the T20 Blast that yeah. when you're on TV, you've got to perform this game? Yeah, it, it is big in England. You know, it's, it's different for us guys that have now played overseas and you know where every game is televised so you're you're more immune to it but but in England as you say for Sussex we might play two three you know four five games if we go to the final all the way on TV that's that's how it goes because obviously there's not enough cameras to go around and every and teams are playing every other day but um, it is a big deal like obviously when I got that when I took that wicket of Chris Gale three years ago now whenever it was if that game wasn't on TV it wouldn't have, have kind of pushed me into the limelight as much and I might not have got the gigs abroad that might not have led to an England call up might not have led to the IP like 100% because unfortunately uh, so with the amount of teams we have in England you can't televise so as I say some of these innings that Phil Salt was played if they were on TV he'd be a you know he might have already played for England as opposed to playing for England you know getting in that England squad recently that leads me on to my next question quite nicely got to ask about the 100 so I was going to ask you about right. that well, actually do you, want, do you want to ask no, you go okay, for it. Yeah, right, this okay. is your I'm, show. I'm going to go for it. Um, so, if you're a young player, like Phil Salt, surely the 100 is brilliant. Yeah. Or like you're Jamal Mills. Or like, or like Jamal Mills. <laughs> Been around for a while, though. Um, <laughs> Don't rub it in. <laughs> so, you know, the opportunity to play on TV, free-to-air TV, that's something that English cricketers haven't had for 15 years. And make a pretty penny. Exactly. Isn't that brilliant? So, in, um, in the dressing rooms, are people basically all for it? Yeah, of course. Um, Obviously, people are going to miss out. There's only going to be 90-ish players picked out of the 200-odd professional cricketers in England at the moment. So, obviously, there's going to be a lot of people missing out. But, you know, unfortunately, if you if you miss out, you've got to get better and try and get picked next year. That's that's the brutality of sport, really. And, again, in England, we're in a different position where we have, a, we have 18 professional teams. That's not, you know, the norm in cricket around the world, is it? So, you can't please everybody. But what, in my opinion, it will lead to is the, the product of cricket. 100 ball, 2020, whatever that you know. So it's going to be 100 balls, but that's irrelevant. The product Great. of cricket is going to be much higher than what the blast is, and also you're going to have better overseas players because there's more money. First of all, so you know a lot of these top guys, you know, they, they command a lot of money. That's why you don't see them in the blast, and they don't want to play 14 group games spread over three months. Traveling around the country, exactly. Yeah. So it's you know there's going to be money to get these top guys now. Couple that with the the top English players, it means that the cricket is going to be in my opinion, of extremely high standard. So I basically agree with every word of that. Thanks. But what do you do? You have any sympathy for the for the people who go? But it marginalised the county championship and the Royal London One Day Cup. Uh, yeah, the Royal London Cups obviously is definitely going to get pushed to the wayside mm-hmm. a little bit. You know, we 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 are kind of. Pre- I know Sussex are predicting that probably going to lose six, seven players to the to the hundred, which you know uh, that's what PCA told us. They did like a mock draft. They got I think journalists and a few coaches, and they did they kind of ran through it all. And I think Sussex lost. We lost the most players from from any county. I think, which obviously speaks to our strength one day kind of side strength. But um, yeah, you know you're gonna you're gonna lose out, and that 50 over competition will be a substandard of what it than what it is previously. But you know I think as I said a few times now with 18 teams. You, you, you can't there's no way of doing it where this pleases everybody and fixes every solution and this is obviously the way that they've decided to do it 
It struck me in the last couple of weeks with this tournament that um, a few arguments have been solidified. Uh, the obvious free-to-air argument, which has been bubbling for years in English cricket and is, is coming to a head again because we have this scenario whereby England could be in, the, in a World Cup final in two or three weeks' time and it, it might still be Channel 4 highlights at best at 10 in the evening. Um, it's, it's interesting to me that a lot of people who are decrying the 100 are also decrying where cricket is with the accessibility question. And to me, the 100 oh, was... Sorry, are they? I feel like the people who are decrying the 100 are people who are kind of fine with where cricket is at the moment. Well, maybe. I mean, thankfully, I don't spend that much time on Twitter. But it, but it seems to me that there is a peculiar kind of Venn diagram of people who are, who are moaning simultaneously about, about cricket's place in the, in, in the national conversation and also uh, main t- wanting to maintain the status quo. Well, you can't have both. Uh, the 100 was born out of a number of surveys and research, research uh, done by the ECB that, as we've discussed in this show before, brought up some alarming numbers, alarming numbers regarding who's watching the game and who's playing the game. Uh, overridingly, that's what prompted this radical-ish move. And the opposition to it, which is still widespread, you know, if you were to, if you were to ask county membership, then 19 out of 20 will be saying, sod this for a game of soldiers, I don't want anything to do with it. But they're not the target audience at all. No, sure. But they are. But they would say, well, we do have uh, a voice. We are, we are kind of stakeholders in the game. Um, I can't understand anymore, and I'm kind of tired of, of it. I can't understand this double think around, around this tournament. It's clearly... What, what do you mean by double think? What I mean is it's clearly necessary to get this thing... On, on terrestrial TV, it clearly energised the BBC uh, with the thought of being at the forefront of a new tournament and a new format. And if anyone's, no one's going to convince me that 240 balls versus 200 balls is dramatically different. It's still a game of cricket. It was, you'll still have highs and lows and ins and outs. You'll still have people smacking out of the ground and people knocking your head off. It's still a game of cricket. Uh, the BBC, I know, we all know, the BBC were all the more energised by it. When, when they were presented with the proposals. Uh, we have to back this thing. We have to give it a go. Uh, Tamal, amongst the players, I spoke to professional cricketers a few months ago and most of them were saying, nah, why, no, why? Because I think that was the general mood music around the clubs. You know, a lot of chief execs and, and obviously the county membership, as I've said, and chairman, they're protecting what they've got up to a point. And maybe the players were falling into line. Is that evolving, do you think? Are the players be- beginning to recognise not just the value to themselves, potentially in their, in their pocket, but also the value to the game? I think s- behind closed doors, yes. I've, you know, I, it's still I, a dirty I, word, though, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. I had this debate on, on TMS the other day. Can I mention TMS? Dropping it. Yeah. Of course, yeah, you go for it. <laughs> when the rain was on and we were, we were chatting, it was like, I, I have engaged in some Twitter back and forth because... Bad move. Exactly, <laughs> because it's such a stink. It's like, I've, so you've got nothing to gain by speaking positively of the 100 because pe- the only people that are talking about it are talking negatively. There are people out there that will be all for it, but they, but they fear from just speaking on Twitter because they know all they're going to get is a barrage. And if you're a journalist, you, know, you guys are, you know, if you want to get some hits on a post, what are you going to write, what are you going to write about? You're going, to write, you're going to write a negative piece on the 100 and you know people will like it, comment on it, won't you? Because that, that's what Twitter is. It's a breeding ground for negativity, isn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's like the world. So true. Uh, uh, 
a video of someone falling down the stairs is going to get more views than a video of two kids having a hug or something. Yeah, you sure. know what I mean? So, yeah. I, I've, I, or someone I've been, walking up the stairs. <laughs> I, I've been quite ambivalent about, about the tournament publicly, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just tired of that position now. The more I think about it and the more certain arguments become cemented in my head and in the heads of other people as well, the more, the more behind it I am. And, you know, hang me by a gibbet if you have to. Tomorrow, I read that you only started playing cricket when you were 14. How, how did you pick up the game so late and become playing I, mean, I was better than him at 13. <laughs> playing England. <laughs> well, you were playing Essex under 13s. You didn't. So therefore yeah, I was Phil's done by 14. Then <laughs> Phil is better than Tamar Mills. Um, how, how do you get into cricket at that age? And how do you... Because no, I've always thought that you kind of need to take up cricket from a really young age because it's supposedly a co- complex game and hard to pick up. How, how did you get into it? it obviously, it's more beneficial, I think, if you take it up early because it's a complicated game and there's many facets to the game. Uh, I got into cricket completely by mistake. Uh, where I, I grew up in Suffolk, and in Suffolk, particularly where I grew up, it was only really the private schools that, where you play cricket. So my, I went to state school didn't play cricket, so I didn't have any immediate access to the game of cricket. I messed around in the park with mates, and the, you know, speaking of terrestrial TV, the 05 Ashes was my first real ex- experience of cricket. I'd have been, what, 12 or so then, um, 13, sorry, my maths. <laughs> um, and that was my first experience of cricket, so, you know, because it was such a big thing, wasn't it, as we all remember, I was interested, it was a big thing, everybody else was all about it, so I thought, yeah, I'm into this. And then when I was 14, I remember at school, my mate's team at Tudman, you know, they were short one night for a midweek league game and asked if I could go and help out, and I did. And just played with some mates and they gave me an over towards the end just to have a bowl. And it's the first time you turned your arm over? In a, with some whites on and... So like you played training. in the garden a bit? Yeah, 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 yeah. I played in the park, but yeah, yeah. in an official game, like in borrowed whites and some trainers or whatever, they gave me an over towards the end saying, you know, thanks. That for, is a joke. Thanks for helping out and I oh, sprayed it everywhere. I didn't know what I was doing, but I could, you know, I could bowl quickly. Were you the quickest person on the pitch, even in your first game? Yeah. That was a, that was a village. Have you ever not been? <laughs> Yeah, set set the tone quite well. And, and and it is extraordinary. Five years later, you're playing England under 19s. That is amazing. Um, it's something about the nature of bowling fast, though, isn't it? And I've said this again on this show before. I'm a broken record, but there is something unique about bowling quick, where you can you you can wake up one morning and no one's ever heard of you, and by the evening, you're the only story in town. Because if you can bowl fast, not fast medium, not a heavy ball, but fast, then suddenly. You're the, you're, the, you're, the, you're the talk of the game. Yeah, I mean, literally when you were 19, 20, five years after you started playing cricket properly, people were talking about you for England when you'd barely played a professional game because, partly because you were bowling really quick, but partly because England got demolished by a bloke called Mitchell Johnson in Australia. Do you think that was detrimental to development, basically having people talk about you in that way so early on in your career when you'd barely played a game? No. You think that was good for you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends what type of character you are. Yeah. I think like if you're a... If, if you struggle with outside chat and influences and pressure, then yeah, that could have been very detrimental. I'm quite lucky where I'm quite, you know, I take these things on. I'm quite laid back and quite outgoing. So I, you know, I, I reveled in it. It, it. it showed me where I probably got caught up in it at times, especially when I was out in Australia. Obviously, England flew me out to Australia as a net bowler to bowl at the boys, and then they obviously got thrashed in the first couple of tests. You cleaned then, up Ian Bell. Yes, yeah, so and there were clips of me bowling in the nets, bowling well at the boys at the same time that they were obviously not doing very well. So then the media are saying, oh, you got him here, go and give him. I was never going to play. No, I, was, I wasn't fit enough to bowl in a test match probably. I 
back and field. So that's that's going back to where you know when I was a young fast bowler, bowling quick got me all the way pretty much to that point without having to really bat and field. So you imagine when you're a kid playing seven, eight, nine, you might not be any good, but every game you're probably going to bat, bowl and field, aren't you? Like doesn't matter if you're batting nine, ten, but every game for years and years you're going to at least have a bat and do some fielding. I never had that, so I came in at 14, able to bowl fast. I had to, look, I had to learn what the fielding positions were called, and I, you know, I didn't Long know. Long barrier, walking in. <laughs> literally, yeah. I had to learn yeah, all this yeah. stuff. I didn't know. So I, these aren't things that I learned you know, with my dad in the back garden or at a local cricket wow. club. So it took me a long time to really catch, to get batting and fielding up to a standard where it's you know, passable. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, because obviously you can't just be a bowler or a batter or obviously definitely not a fielder. So, so where are you going now then? What's, what's the next year or two like for you, career-wise? So immediately, next we've got the, the T20 Blast. I played for Suffolk last week. My Did you? played on Sunday, yeah. Against, against who? Against uh, Hertfordshire. Oh, poor fuckers. My first game back, I tore my hammy six weeks ago, so that was my first little run out back at Ipswich School, so that was good. Did you hurt anyone? No. Good. No, no, it was all good. I, I played nice. Good uh, couple, of, couple of drop catches hurt, hurt, hurts the soul, but Naturally. that's all good. So from there, um, I've got a few second team games end of this month for Sussex, getting ready uh, for the blast. This obviously starts middle of July, and then you've got then it's, it's, it's go. So for me, pretty much this is the quiet time of the year, kind of March. So I, I played the PSL in, in March. Yeah. Played all the way through to the final in Pakistan, which is really cool. Um, and then you know I didn't go to the IPL, so I've been kind of off really in terms of cricket for the last two two and a bit months. But then in the winter you've got potentially the the Euro League, the T10. Ah, right. So you're up for this, the, the Euro Slam or yeah, whatever it's going to be called. This, this, yeah. Why wouldn't you be? It's, it's, an, it's an interesting one because the names the names are huge, but the the infrastructure in the places that are going to be hosting games are going to be unlike anywhere you probably play for. Yeah, so the same people that hosted the Canadian League yeah. recently, and I didn't play in it, but speaking, you know, it wasn't great infrastructure. And that's, you know, playing, I've played in most of the leagues around the world now, and it's, it's in, you know, every league is very different mm. in terms of how they run, how efficient they are. You know, whenever a new league starts, it goes through a lot of teething problems. Yeah. It's a huge thing to set up. You know, people think, oh, he's playing the 2020 tournament, so, you know, it's a laugh and a giggle, but there's a, there's a lot of, that goes on behind sure. the scenes. So. Um, yeah. Was it like playing in Pakistan? Oh, awesome. Yeah, Go on. It, it was brilliant. I played, so the year before last, I was playing for Karachi, and it was just the semi finals and finals in Pakistan. So we got to the semi final, we lost, I flew home. This year, there's a few more games, so every team played the last round of group games in Karachi. Yep. And then the, the semi final also. So ended up playing four games in Karachi. Uh, all the way through to the final, which we lost, but it was yeah, it was awesome. Like every round, so, so every game was sold out easily. You know, they could have sold out twice over. I'm sure. Got to get cricket back there. Yeah, and I'm sure the PSL next year will be even more games. I'm sure. That, I think that's their main vehicle of getting sure. more and more. But you know, as overseas players, pretty much everybody went this year. Um, you know, guys like Shane Watson, Kieran yep. Pollard, yeah. Aaron Sammy, you know. Viv was involved in it, right? Was there, Viv, Viv, Did, you meet, did you meet him? So I've I played for three different PSL teams in the last three years. Right. And uh, I've played for the team of which Viv is a, a mentor, kind of a, he's, he's just kind of a, a, a face really. He's there, he's supporting, he's in sure. the bench, he's, he's in the dugout. You know, he doesn't do any coaching, he doesn't, show up, he doesn't show up to training, but he's there and he's a public figure for the yeah. team. And looking forward to the year 2020 as well as the hundreds, you've got a a T20 World Cup is that on your radar as something to target? 100% yeah I've, I've not played for England for 
you know, over two years now. Um, you know, it's, it's where I want to be. I feel I'm good enough. You know, if I, if I stay fit, I'm, I'm good enough to get in the squad. You know, rightly or wrongly, I think I have to believe that. Um, so that all starts this summer, really having a good T20 blast. Um, just you know, being consistent, being fit, because then as of this winter, England starts to play. It's really weird because the last few years, the focus has obviously been on the 50 yeah. over World Cup, but now as soon as the 50 world, over World Cup finishes, yeah. the focus is entirely on the T20 World Cup. So I think, yeah, and we're not playing any ODIs in New Zealand, so the focus totally shifts. Yeah, so that's you know that's a, a short-term goal for me is you know have a good summer and then hopefully if I can get you know in that in that, in that New Zealand squad come November December or, or whenever it is. You know that's that's my you know that's my goal for, for kind of this year. Um, we asked a few people on Twitter to ask some questions. Did we? Yeah, we did. We did, and we've got we've got some. Uh, first one from Rachel Palau. Yep. Go on, I'm Rach. just starting out as a bowler. Any tips for improving my speed? Oh, be a batter. That's the main. <laughs> that's that's the f that's the first one. But um, improving your speed. I think so. For me, when when people ask me that, it's tough. It's it's a tough question to ask because. I've never seen you bowl, <laughs> so it's like, so people always come up to you next, oh, how do I improve my speed or whatever, I, I, I don't know exactly, but one thing I think is um, applicable to everybody is your run-up, that's been my, probably took me a long time, I reckon it took me up until two years ago really to figure out my optimal run-up, both in length and in speed, so, you know, it, it takes a lot of time, you don't always have to bowl the ball, you can just practice on some, you know, run-throughs of, of, of what you think is you know, what feels natural. So when you're at the crease, you're balanced, you're not overstriding, but you've also got enough momentum at the crease. So try it's, it's start about that velocity through the crease, isn't it? Getting the optimum speed through the crease without obviously losing control. Yeah. It's what Mark Wood has been talking exactly, about. Exactly, yeah. So you need to have that time. It's, it's just all about timing. You want to be able to yeah. time the ball, but also you've got to be able to give it some force behind it. So you've got to find that little balance. Yeah. Uh, another question from Rachel. She was all on it today. Uh, who's the most difficult batsman you've ever had to bowl to? Difficult, so I can always judge that now because I only play T20s. It's who whacks me every time I bowl at them. Um, Brendan McCollum used to always whack me over point. It um, I'd, I remember at times, so you'd, normally I'd open the bowling. Baz, I've played against him a lot in the different leagues and he'd be at uh, the other end. I'd be like, okay, third man, deep square. And he'd back away and he would smack me over point for six. Like You could literally write it as a skill. I'd never learn. And then eventually I'd, okay, I'll have third man up and I'll put point out this time. Backs away, smacks me over for six. It didn't matter. So, I'd say, yeah, I'll go for Brendan McCullum. I've I've been lucky enough to to uh, bowl at a lot of great players and, and play with and against some great players. But um, but yeah, Baz or, or Joss Butler played against him in the Big Bash, and he was yeah he was pretty special, obviously as well. I was Jack Brooks asked a question. I didn't understand, so we're gonna ask that. Uh, feedback. What, called the Jack Brooks. The the Jack the Brooks. Jack yeah. Brooks. God, um, he's full of it, isn't he? Booksy <laughs> Ferret. Uh, feedback corner. We had a lovely message on Twitter from a regular listener called Richard Joyce who said, The Daily Wisdom podcast has been an absolute joy. On holiday, it's the one podcast I've kept up with. As well as the usual excellent from Phil, Joe, and Yaz, their international correspondents have been ace. They have been. Uh, a lovely message, but the most interesting bit for me was that he said he was listening on holiday. So we can see which countries people are listening in. And either our info is wrong, or we have some people in listening in very interesting places. Uh, that you wouldn't really associate with cricket. So if you're listening anywhere London? interesting, let us know. <laughs> Apparently, we have regular listeners in Russia, Korea, right. Colombia, and Nicaragua. Well, we're uh, a naturally left-leaning so podcast. <laughs> 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 so if you're one of them, and you've got this far into the, today's podcast, let us know on Twitter, either at Wisdom Cricket or at one of myself, Phil, or Joe's Twitters. We've got very boring Twitter handles. We're Yaz Wisdom, Phil Wisdom, Joe Wisdom. 
Um, so yeah, Nicaragua. I know, right? Fabulous. Right, Fifteen listers of Nicaragua, apparently. Fifteen. Um, yeah. That's a great. Oh, that's the Nicaraguan cricket yeah. side, isn't it? The inter- <laughs> Um, elsewhere, there's some interesting news. Uh, Japan have qualified for the Under-19 Cricket World Cup. I next knew they year. would. <laughs> Bizarre fashion, because it was revealed that uh, it, they had to beat Papua New Guinea to qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, it was held in the Japanese city of Sano, um, but the game was called off because Papua New Guinea suspended 11 of their 14 players, um, citing internal disciplinary reasons and failing to adhere to their strict codes of conduct. Jesus. Um, but oh if they had quite a lax co- uh, code of conduct, co- code of conduct, they would still have banned them because it's been revealed. It's quite sad, actually. All eleven of those players had been caught shoplifting. Oh um, wow! Yeah. Well, to, to be fair, Japan would have beaten anybody on their day. <laughs> but I mean, amazing in the in the T Twenty. So not in T Twenty. In the Under Nineteen uh, World Cup next year, we've got Japan and Nigeria. Bring it on! Exactly. Where's it being where's it being held? I think it's in South Africa. Nice. Um, so the 15th, 16th playoffs is going to be fascinating. Um, <laughs> Bring it on. Um, before we finish today's show, brought to you by Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of exciting since memories. Since 1979. you know it. Uh, we partnered with Beer 91 to give away two tickets to New Zealand versus Pakistan at Edgebaston on June 26th, when it probably won't rain. No, definitely not. To enter, simply retweet the tweet promoting this episode and make sure you're following both Wisdom Cricket and Beer 91 on Twitter. Get involved. Um, and yeah, as I said, hopefully it would have dried up by then. Um, Tamal, thanks so much for coming on today's show. Yeah, really enjoy that. Brilliant stuff. Phil? Yeah, I'm always here, yes. Fantastic. Well, <laughs> Phil and Joe are going to be back tomorrow. Listeners. With Dan Norcross. With Dan Norcross. Um, we'll, we'll do another ask, get you to ask questions on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure they'll be interesting to Dan. Sure. Um, thanks for listening. Tell your friends about the podcast, share it, and subscribe. See you later. Podcast Network.